Hello, I'm Joss Stone. Thanks for joining me for a cup of happy. I spent the last few years singing my songs in every country in the world and been lucky enough to meet incredible people from all walks of life. What really struck me is that no matter where we are, we're all on the same mission. We're all just trying to find our version of happy. So with this podcast, I'm going to be speaking to a whole host of people to dig deeper into the what, why, and how of this emotion we call happiness. I hope that with these conversations, you discover something to help you on your own quest for happiness, possibly change your mind on a few things, and along the way, share a good old laugh with me and my guests. Today's guest is a woman on a mission to help couples and individuals around the world love and be loved better. She's one of the world's top sex therapists and a best-selling author of books including Real Sex for Real Women and Quantum Love. I learned so much about how we interact as people during this chat, including why sadly the infatuation phase has to end in our romantic relationships, along with the possible reasons for my fairy tale complex. I hope you get something good from this chat. Here's the lovely Laura Berman. Hi, well, hello, Laura. It's lovely to meet you. It's lovely to meet you too. I've been watching you and listening to all of your advice and taking many, many notes. Oh, yes. (laughs) So I was really interested to learn why you became a sex therapist um are, are you a couple are you a couples therapist or a sex therapist or, or both what is both i actually right. started out intending to become a couples therapist and i mm-hmm. am a couples therapist and that's what i was trained for um but when i i mean so i can give you i'll, I'll give you like my my main my main pat answer which okay. is the truth Perfect. but i can also give you sort of a little bit of the backstory uh, as well. Yeah, but the, the, the main answer is that I, and this is true, when I was in graduate school, for some reason, every time, you know, you, when you're in graduate school, you have uh, cases, you know, where you're working with couples, and then you have a professor who's sort of your supervisor, an experienced clinician, who you go to after each session, and they give you advice and guidance mm-hmm. and whatever. And so every couple I was seeing, was talking to me about their sexual problems, which makes sense, right? Which is a massive part of any relationship. Of course. Right. And then when I would bring those issues to my professor, and it didn't matter who my supervisor was, um, they would look at me like I was some sort of weird pervert that couples (laughs) were talking to me about these things. They didn't have anything to tell me about what to do or how to address it. It still seems crazy to me how many... Couples therapists do not touch sex with a 10-foot pole, which seems insane to me, but they it's true. Still today, even now. Yeah. I see so many couples who come to me after having seen so many other couples therapists, and they're like, we told them on the first session that we have this problem. And, you know, I get it on a certain level because the couples therapist is thinking, well, the reason you have this sexual problem is because you don't communicate or because there isn't trust or because whatever. And that's true Mm. to an extent. But, Mm. you know, you can't. So I just decided I got pissed about that (laughs) and I decided to go on and get um, more training. And so I went to a fellowship in sex therapy and then I just accidentally became known as primarily a sex therapist, which I am, but, um, 
I'm also a couples therapist. Now the backstory, which is kind of relevant right now because I'm working on my next book, which is autobiographical. So it's going to be interesting. Oh, that Um, would be good. What's it called, the book? Well, you know, I'm working on a title right now. I just had this discussion with my husband this morning who is concerned. Oh my God, he's going to be in it. I'm sure he's, he's going to be, be all over He's it. really concerned. He's oh, really concerned. And my sons are going to be in it. So oh his two God. complaints about the proposal is one, and I asked my son's permission for this because he's now 15, uh-huh. but is that all the tube socks, you know, those white socks, I have this like universal sock yeah. in the house because I have three boys. Uh-huh. All the tube socks kept disappearing and I oh, couldn't, no. I knew the washing machine wasn't eating them. I mean, oh, no, they no, can no. only eat so many socks. Yeah. And then I said, well, his response was, I haven't, you know, well, mom, you, I keep telling you that you need to make a sex toy for men in your line. I'll oh. stop using the socks if you get me a sex toy. Anyway. That's a very uh, fair enough request. For yeah. Him, that, I, I thought that was a good yeah. request. But um, so my husband was concerned about that, but he was also concerned about the title because he thinks it's people are going to think I'm a porn star. So I'll ask you, this is the work. This is a a tentative title. Okay. It's uh, goddess, porn star, wife, mother, confessions of a sex therapist. I love it. He is concerned that people will assume that I, in addition to being a wife, mother, and a goddess, but that's I'm, okay. I've been a porn star. That's what I say. That's a hundred percent okay, <laughs> yeah. right? If yeah. you want, I mean, if you want to get people's um, attention, isn't it what we all kind of like to think we are inside of that's our brains? That's the point. <laughs> that is exactly the point. I've yeah. never been an official porn star, you know. But I you are been for him, <laughs> right? For and your I husband, have an that, inner porn yeah. star and an inner goddess. Both. Yes, and everybody so, should have one of those, right? Whether yeah. they let them out or not, it's kind of up right. to them. But surely right. somewhere deep down inside, you have an inner porn star. We surely. all do. And, you know, it's interesting because when I talk, this came up as part of the title because it's a series of kind of short stories. And one of them is called The Goddess and the Porn Star. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know, all of us have that inside us. But when you talk to women... The first thing that they want to be really in their sex lives, especially if they're dating or wanting, you know, or wanting Mm. to be really desirable is to be a porn star, Mm. you know, not literally a porn star, but like if I had to, you know, do I want to be a goddess or a a sexual goddess or a porn star? They'll say, well, I'd rather be the porn star because they think that's what men want. Yeah. They think that's what's going to catch the guy, right? That's what's going to catch the guy. And there is an element of porn star, the risqueness, the mm-hmm. raunchiness, the being comfortable in your body. But like the sexual goddess thing is where the power is really at. What's the difference? Well, you know, so it's both like the porn star would pole dance, twerk, right? you know, send sexual pictures of her, you know, naked pictures of herself to a guy in part trying to get him. Right now, I'm not against sending the goddess wouldn't necessarily feel the need to do that. She might, but she wouldn't be doing it to get the guy. There's no she's doing it because she loves herself. Exactly. It's an it's an inside. She's enjoying who she is, the womanliness and her body and everything that she is, which is incredibly attractive to any man. There's nothing more magnetic, so much more magnetic than a porn star for if you want it someone to really want to keep you and be into you in the long term, so much more erotic and magnetic is when you're really in 
your own sexual power. You're, you're not holding any shame around it. Yes, you can send naked pictures, twerk to your heart's delight. Right. But you're also like fully embodied. You know, so many women I find we've developed our relationship with our sexuality. Like I call it like an outside in job. Like it's a means to an end. It's a way to get the guy or the girl. It's a way to get someone interested. It's a way to keep them. It's a way to have a baby. It's a way to put a ring on. You know, it's a way. It's a tool. It's an instrument. And that's kind of like the porn star approach to it. It's a transaction kind of. Mm -hmm. Versus this is such an integral, phenomenal, powerful, almost spiritual element of my being my sexuality, you know, and my relationship with it is about me. And I can choose to share it with someone who deserves mm-hmm. it, whoever that, you know, the person I just met in the bar or the person I'm in a 30 year relationship with. But it's your choice at the end of the day. Yes. Mm. And it's coming from a place of power. And I don't think we have enough models of even what that looks like or how mm-hmm. to claim how to that. Like that. Yeah. So as far as the difference between, and I'm skipping now because I really want to talk to you about your dad, but we'll get back to that. Um, <laughs> Uh, the difference between men and women. So the way yeah. you explain the the porn star and the goddess, um, yeah. the way that men deal with or approach sex, it, it does sound somewhat more goddess-like. It sounds oh, more yeah. like I'm into me, I want what I want, I'm going to take what I want, unless, of course, oh, he's yeah. in love and very, very careful with the woman. Yes, but then, yes. you know, that's a different relationship. He's actually in love with her. But I find... I notice listening to the guys in my life, they're just like, well, I just kind of want that. And yeah. I'm okay with it. A hundred percent okay, okay with, with that. It. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just the way they're, it's partly their DNA for sure, but it's also just the way they're raised to, you know, there's nothing shameful about it. Right. And, yes, good point. Um, and there you know? is something shameful for women. Why do you think that's happened? It's, it's the way that we're raised. It's, it starts so early in terms of even just how our genitals are referred to mm-hmm. the whole good girl thing, even though we all know that that's ridiculous and we live in a modern age, we're still kind of integrating that, you know, that nice girls or the one that you want to take home to mom, right? you know, or whatever doesn't act that way, you know, and even very empowered modern women who, who aren't at all submissive, you know, and are true feminists. I work with women who run fortune 500 companies and still struggle to really kind of feel good about their sexuality and to Uh feel entitled. Like I honestly think, you know, at least in, in terms of America, but we could say this around the world that we will finally see a woman in the white house when women feel fully entitled mm. to their sexual pleasure. And, oh, really? and you think those two things are linked? I think they are totally related. I mean, maybe oh, I'm biased, okay. but yeah, I do think why. they're totally related. Is it because sex is such a huge part of feeling powerful? Yes. And it's a huge part of our creativity and it's a huge part of our sense of power in the world. And the one place where we still kind of will make ourselves small Mm. is in the sexual realm, I find. I mean, where else do women generally today make themselves themselves small? So why do we make ourselves small? I mean, is it because the cuter you are, the more attractive you are to men? I mean, I guess it's going to be different for lesbians than it is for heterosexual couples. Yeah, Um, there's a different dynamic for sure. 
Because I noticed that the cuties, the really, really feminine girls that get the most laddie guys, the most kind yeah. of masculine. I don't know. It's just something that I've noticed from watching from afar. I am very tall. I'm like 5'10". It's not very tall, but it's tall enough no. to feel a little yeah. bit like, oh, oh my yeah. God, I can't wear heels because then I'm six foot two and then I'm towering over these guys. Oh yeah. God, grass is always greener, love. But I it's know. a funny thing how we get insecure about stuff like that. But the reason yeah. why I feel insecure about it is because it, it takes away my cuteness. Like, so mm -hmm. I want to be as little and cute and sweet and girly because I feel but like is that because that's more attractive. Right. So in it's my not mind, about you being grossed out because he's a no. little bit shorter than you. No, not it's at all. It's your fear that you're not going to be what he wants. Exactly. Which exactly. is which the sex the which goddess, is actually it's a it's a myth because yeah, men the goddess knows, they don't have a problem with it. Yeah, the goddess is like first of all, I am everything the right man could possibly want. Yeah, and if I am taller than this guy and he somehow finds that unattractive, he is not the guy for me. He's not the guy. He's yeah. not the guy. I think maybe you come to that later in life. I think our yes. insecurities are really massive when we're younger. And then yes. you get past a certain age and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm definitely just me and I'm not going to change. And I'm happy no. with that. And, right. and then and you I become more attractive. More embodied. And yeah, mm. you become so much more attractive. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think you see so, so many older women with younger guys. You know, there's this whole, I hate the oh. word cougar, but you know, this whole. I love the cougars. I love cougars. the cougars, but Go I don't girls. think they're, but I don't, you know, they're not cougars. They're just hot women who they're younger just gorgeous men want. Women. Yeah, and they, exactly. and they are desirable and it's mm. becoming more, I mean, I can't tell you how many of my single friends in their forties and fifties, you know, have just constant men coming on to them. Young ones like 25 is because of the confidence there, mm. you know, and the, and it's not just like cocky confidence. It's like, I know who I am. I have nothing really, you know, to apologize for. I love myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to tell you, during this pandemic, my husband and I have found a common ground of binge watching, you know, because we like to find things to binge watch during this yeah. time. Guess what we've been binge watching, which is very relevant to this conversation. What? Love Island. Oh, Love you ever Island. Oh, I've only my seen God. like one episode. It's quite no, funny, isn't it? I have been binge watching it. Excellent. But I got, I got to tell you <laughs> that if you want to see this dynamic played out, mm -hmm. watch it. It's fascinating because for me, like that's how I watch. I'm watching all the dynamics, and it is fascinating to see those shows because they are, um, they're human experiments. Yes, and we watch how basically we're animals. Let's not forget yes. that we're animals here. We are. we are, and we're cave people. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because like there was this young woman who, um, you know, all of them are like, I'm not going to have sex. You know, I'm not, it's too soon. You know, I'm not going to have sex. And then they all talk about whether they had sex. And one of the women does. And she's like, look, I'm a modern woman. I'm not ashamed. If I want to have sex, I'm going to have sex. Like, it, you know, he's really hot or, mm -hmm. you know, what's the word? Fit is the word mm -hmm. you say. He's really fit. He's really fit. That's what it's, it's a UK show, right? He's really English, fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm learning, I'm learning all the, I'm learning all the, all the terms. Um, mugging is another one I'm learning. Mugging, like mugging someone off. You've been mugged off. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I never knew that. It means you don't pied. like him. I never knew about pied. Pied. What's pied? I think it's like pie in your face. Oh my I God, figured that's out totally it's like when you're blown off. But oh. anyway. There is this young woman, gorgeous, saying this, mm. and she's like, I'm fine, whatever. Then the guy, they have sex. Then the guy 
decides to dump her for someone else within a day or two. Classic. And the whole thing is about like her whole indignation. And what she keeps going on about is I had sex with you. Right. And then you went and did this. How could you? Which is how she really feels. But just yeah. yesterday, she was like, I can have sex with whoever I want. Yes. Now, this is something I really do want to talk about because it is not, this is, this is nature at work. And yeah. it's, that's real nature that's, that's happening that you've seen there in front of your eyes and that we see <laughs> every single yes. day we see this yes. with our friends and family and whatever. Mm-hmm. But we have, um, like a social responsibility to not allow nature to take over too much. Yeah. And that's that kind of PC social thing has really infiltrated into our lives to a point where it's actually hindering what is natural. Yeah. So this, I, my theory, and I will be burned at the stake for saying Go ahead. I bet you I share it. Go ahead. <laughs> but I really do, I do not believe that... The girls that say, I'm fine. I can just have sex. It doesn't bother me. I don't have a problem. He told yeah. me he just wants to have a casual relationship. I'm a hundred percent okay with that. Yes. We've been having a casual relationship for a month or maybe two. I should be no, able to that's have just sex not with whoever true. I want. It's not right. high five. Because you don't feel like high five. You don't feel like that deep down because guess no. what? You're a, you're a girl. And yeah. we, we kind of have. A different we thing going on. We want to feel that way. We, we wish try to we convince felt like ourselves that. to feel that way. Yeah. But you know, there's a biologic reason for this, and this right. is what I try to explain. Women, yeah. I wish we were, but we <laughs> are too. not made for casual sex. No, we're not. First of all, just okay. If you think about from an evolutionary perspective, mm-hmm. and we still, it's still in our DNA today, right? A woman getting pregnant, you know, back before birth control, whatever, like. There were higher stakes. You could die. You, you know, you you were, yeah. it's not like men are programmed. The caveman was programmed to. Just spread the seed. Spread the seed. That's the woman, job. you know, yeah. there were high stakes, right? So yeah. she had to choose someone to really invest with. And there's lots right. of, I mean, I, I love we all that. We want protection, answer. you know, yes. because we become incredibly vulnerable. When vulnerable. Yeah. Incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. And so that's part of it. The other really interesting thing is if you look at the brain when you're having an or after orgasm, right? Mm -hmm. What happens in the female brain more so than the male, and they think it's because men have so much more testosterone, the male hormone than women do, but our brains get washed in oxytocin, which is the chemical of attachment that breastfeeding mothers release to bond with their babies, right? Same thing. So when our brains get washed with oxytocin, so we hook up with some guy, I hate this, like I have no interest in this guy, he's just hot. And I want to have a one night stand. And, and then you fall sex. in love with that guy you that get you didn't so expect upset. to. Yeah. Mm, and it's the oxy freaking tocin in your brain. And so if. Like, and then you're like, you why should... am I in love with him? I didn't even like him before. Right. That's the <laughs> like he was an asshole. I literally yeah. thought he was an asshole. Right. And I have no move. interest. And now I and want so, to be with him forever. <laughs> as much as I'd like. Right. It's true. As much so as I'd like annoying. us to be able to have this casual sex successfully, we, mm-hmm. we, we just. And that's not, you know, I, I think it's a mistake. Just like it's a mistake to say that a woman being in her full feminine power, I don't even mean sexually. Mm looks the same as a man in his power. 
right? Like we look totally different in our power, but so Mm -hmm. many women, I mean, it's like the classic when you saw in the, I don't know, you're probably too young, but like the, in the eighties when women were first working on wall street and they would dress like men and act like men, you know? And, and I think that's still here today that, you know, a woman who's really powerful acts like a, a man would act in his power. And Mm -hmm. we look very different in our power, women, than men look in their power. But because we don't have a lot of powerful women to model after, we just say, I mean, I did the same thing. I wanted to be a powerful woman. So I emulated my dad, not necessarily in the way I looked, but it, you know, you're not going to screw with me and I'm, you know, I don't need anybody and I'm tough and Mm -hmm. whatever. And it's a very different kind of power. And it's the same thing with sex. Our sexual power looks very different it's not, it doesn't have to be the same to be equal. That's the right. point. Exactly. And equality. we are mistakenly trying to make it the same. Yeah. Equality is the most important thing. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't need to be the same. There doesn't need to be the same rules or the same actions or the same jobs no. or the same anything. It doesn't, but equality is, is the thing that we should go, we should move towards. Yeah. Um, and it is in your equality. If you and your power are dating yeah. a guy and you say to that guy, I'm really attracted to you and I'm having a great time with you. Yeah. But I just want you to know, I'm looking for a monogamous relationship. And I'm not sure if you're a candidate. You know, I'm not sure I want a monogamous relationship with you yet. And this I don't know so if good. you want one with me yet. But I'm yeah. just telling you that as much as I'm attracted to you, I am someone that doesn't have sex yeah. with anyone until we're both really clear that until that's I what we want. Yep. And I, we don't have to be ready to walk down the aisle, but we both have to know like that this is what we want. Like this is who I am. And it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I don't love sex and I don't want sex, but my sexuality is sacred. I got a magic yoni in here. You know, <laughs> yes. and nobody's getting in there. Self-respect is very lovely to see. Yeah. And it's it's wonderful. It's very it's like a magnet, isn't it? When you see someone that really, really has huge self-respect, you're like <gasps> oh my God, I just want to mm-hmm. be around them. I just want to right. talk to them. I just want to see them and be there. I think that goes for both sexes. Yeah, um, It's absolutely. funny you say what you just said because when I hit about 27, I guess, mm-hmm. um, I decided I wasn't finding the right guy, right? So, I mean, only 27. It's actually not that old. But for me, I was like, come on. I want my fairy tale. Come on, life. <laughs> so I decided to be really blatant just how you explained and if I was to go on the first date with someone I would say and I might like make it kind of jovial and fun but I would say things like do you know what I really want out of life I just want seven children and oh, I God. want to find the person. Yeah, that on is the such first a common mistake. Like an interview with them. How many no, children no. do you want? It worked it worked. It did? This, this, yes this is what, what's so funny about it is I didn't make it like, this is what I want from you. Ah. I made it, I made it like, oh yeah, I love it. I've got animals. I want seven kids. I want to yeah, find yeah, someone yeah. and da, 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 da. And then it would be kind of like, they would kind of laugh and then something would kind of crack in their brain and they go, shit. Okay. I better not date you for the second time if I'm not going to be that guy. Oh, so, I see. So I, I see said, what you're saying. If you're yes. not in that place in your life yes. and, and yes. you are. If you are kind of looking for uh, someone, yeah, if you're looking for someone casual, then fine, say that. If you're looking for someone that's not casual, say that too. Mm-hmm. Because then the the ones that aren't going to be good for you, they will go. 
they will yeah. disappear. Yeah, they will. Um, and it's the same thing. You were doing yeah. the same thing in your and cute works. little way. Yeah. yeah. Because and you're they getting it really rid of funny. the ones. Yeah. yeah. And, and so did and a lot go running for the hills? Nope. Not one. Oh, good. good. So, and it, that, thank God, worked because I kind of made it like, this is fun or whatever. And actually, at that time in my life, I was dating men that were older. So they were actually looking for they the same ready. thing. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean they were the one. Right. Which is something you have to be very clear about. Doesn't mean I want it with you, mate. Right. <laughs> but, which is also but I do want it. Yes. But I do want it. So don't yeah. think. And I know the reason why I started doing that is because I would listen to stories that my brother would tell me and my dad mm. would tell me about women that they were dating. And, um, you know, I've got lots of male friends that I talk to for hours about relationships. Mm -hmm. And they would say, yeah, no, I've been, I've been on and off with this girl. She's, she's cool. She's not into anything, yeah. um, anything, uh, serious. She doesn't have any expectations. She's and lying. she totally does. She is lying. Yes. <laughs> and I try and tell them, but they can't believe me because they're not lying. Yeah. They're no, they're, and, the they, truth. and they just assume that she is too. And she kind right. of is convincing herself. She, she desperately is. wants to feel that way, but it's yeah. not the fact. And then what do they do? They hurt her. Yeah, because she's hoping yes. that he will change his mind. It's the same reason women yes. get into friends with benefits relationships, or men do sometimes. They're hoping it breaks their that they'll, yeah, it breaks their and heart. And I hate to see that. You I know, know, I don't want people to be heartbroken. It's better that they're, I don't know, embarrassed or having an awkward conversation or yeah. put off, but heartbroken. Yeah, no. it's so sad. I and I get, and I hear from people. so many people, men and women, who, but mm. especially women who are just hoping and they're like, well, we've been talking for, uh, you know, talking is the term, which right. basically means you're hooking up yeah. um, without any commitment. Years. Yeah. We've been talking for a year oh. and like, how do I know whether, you know, it's going to go anywhere? I'm like, girl, it's not, it's not it's going not. anywhere. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because you grew oh, up with a brother. So I grew up with a sister Mm. And I always was so fascinated by boys, not just because I was boy crazy as a kid, but I, I used to wish that I could be a fly on the wall when all the guys were like hanging out together. You can learn. Fast, you know, <laughs> fast forward however many decades, I'm the mother of three boys and, you know, inserting my two cents where I can about how to treat a woman and, you yeah. know, respect. It's so and, important. I think that they don't understand sometimes like how, I mean, it's great that you're their mum, those lads, because you're yeah, so- Yeah, they all know where the clitoris is and right. they're all going to know how to treat women. Yes. And they all seem heterosexual, which is why they- well, Right. But so it's going to be very helpful for them yeah. on many different yeah. levels. Um, and also you are very like a hundred percent, a million percent okay with every type of language. Yeah. And I think that- that doesn't happen in every family. No. So there's like, there's like boundaries that come with language um, that make things kind of scary and embarrassing or, yeah, or you know, awkward. Um, yeah. So then you don't always get the opportunity to learn if you're not willing to say yeah. it. It's true. Yeah. And they tell there's me also, a lot. Now there's a lot of rules. Yeah. And there's, they do. yeah. Oh yeah. They tell my, my oldest who's now 23 called, told me the first time he had sex and he also, Oh, he did. Yeah. And he also told me, I sent him off to school with, he went to college or university, as you guys would say, and I sent him off with three books. My book, mm -hmm. which was Loving Sex, um, a book 
called uh, How to Give Her Absolute Pleasure by a woman named Lou Paget, and a book. Everyone should have that. Book. And a book by Ian. So it was my book, Loving Sex, How to Give Her Absolute Pleasure, and She Comes First. Um, oh, and, that's a good yeah, one. And he came home <sighs> for the holidays and had his first girlfriend. Aww. And he's like, that, those books you gave me really worked. You know, I really, she, I'm really, you know, she's really liking it, but she doesn't really, she's very inexperienced. She doesn't even really know how to kiss. And I was like, well, you know, if you want, I'll send you a book for her too, you know? And, <laughs> oh my God. And so I, you're the coolest mom. I did. But the problem is mm. my son, you know, like most boys at that age is not the best at finessing, but you know, he's very literal, right? So yep. he mm -hmm. goes to the girl unbeknownst to me and says here oh, no. this is from my mom <laughs> no. book on how to stimulate uh -huh. a man it's like you know it would it would have been just as well if he had been like yeah and she says chapter five i'd really like i mean he basically said this is from my mom so after that <laughs> what did she do well i did she break up with no him? <laughs> she didn't break up with him but after i had no idea he'd done that until until like a month or two later when he was home again and Skyping with her. And I was like, oh, I haven't met her yet. Can I say hello? And he's like, no, she thinks you're a freak. Like she thinks you're a freak. So anyway, so we, yeah. Because the rest of the world does not act <laughs> like you and your family yeah. talking about blowjobs yeah. and orgasms. Yeah. Um, a lot of families are not no. well, not I mean, so that's, well versed in those Well, things. that's why I think those couples back in graduate school were talking to me about their sex lives where they weren't talking to my professors or peers because I had grown up yeah. in a family, thankfully. I mean, it was a mm. blessing and a curse because there was some trauma mm. in there too and some overexposure. Um, but Right, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about your dad. Wasn't he a surgeon? Yeah. An erectile surgeon? Yeah. <laughs> a colon, okay, a colon, I, need to, I need to know about this. A colon and rectal surgeon. But, but okay. it was very open, like their bodily functions. I mean, he would talk at the at the dinner table about the things he pulled out of someone's behind that day, you know, the crazy stories, oh, like someone put a light bulb up there and he was all proud because he got it out and, and it was still and in he one didn't piece. Break it. He made one of the oh, nurses clean it off and plug it in to make sure it still works. <laughs> like, this is my dad. Um, awesome. <laughs> so these are the stories we would have at the dinner table. And it was very comfortable and no bodily functions off limit, no bodily parts, you know, just normal. He also, right. you know, we weren't supposed to go and have sex. Like they didn't want us to have sex. And he definitely gave me that. They won't buy the cat. You know, they won't buy the cow if they can get the milk for free comment several times. But he, that's funny. I know. My mom did the old try before you buy. <laughs> See, that would have been better. No, <laughs> yeah. they were like, I wasn't even. I mean, They're like, get, get married. Yeah, before they you wouldn't have even sex. let me sleep in the bedroom with a boyfriend, mm. even when I was so an adult, school. unless we were engaged or married. Oh, uh, they were trying to protect they you. They were. So sweet. And also kind of controlling. But at the same time, you know, my dad gave me a Cosmo article on how to perform a good blowjob when I was 14. So how confusing. It was very confusing. 
and and he they definitely he definitely was very invested in in me and my sister. But just speaking for me, being is a it seductress. a very Christian upbringing? No, was we it were a religious? Not upbringing at all. Or? We were no. secular Jews growing up in a very oh. Christian environment, actually, in a little right, island okay. in southeast Georgia. But just tradition. It was of the time. It was then. just. Uh, I think he really was invested in me and my sister. But speaking for me, being a really good seductress. And oh. having this. He wanted you to have the power. Yeah. Or he wanted me not to be like my mom, who was more on the inhibited side and very inexperienced. And so he sort of felt like that. So that it was a blessing and a curse because I definitely was overexposed. Would you say that being overexposed to all this information and all this language and mm-hmm. all those magazines? <laughs> um do you think that it took away the excitement a little bit or the naughtiness? Um, maybe. I think what it did, and it took me a long time to realize this. I mean, the, the gift, there's always a gift in these things, right? The gift is I became a sex therapist and I have been able yeah. to help millions of people learn to love and be loved better. And It's a gift it's, for everybody it, else. And yeah, and it's been a gift for me too to, to have the to have the honor and of being able to do that. I mean, it gives my life meaning. I I know I'm here Mm. on the planet to help people love and be loved better. Like that's why I'm here. So all of that. And this, I actually said to my dad before he died, because he died last summer. I said, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Thank you. He was ill for a long time, but we had a lot of conversations at the end. And I was like, you know, I really forgive you uh, for the, some of the things you've done infidelities, having to be their marriage therapist, like all the ways that he'd really kind of overexposed me or hurt me or created some trauma that really led me to make some really crappy decisions in love and life. And I kind of outlined it all for him. And I was like, but the truth is, Mm. if none of that had happened, I wouldn't have my oldest son. I wouldn't have become a sex therapist. I wouldn't have written all these books and been able to like, so not only do I forgive you, wouldn't you be the you that you are. Yeah. Not only do I forgive you, I thank you because, right. you know, if it weren't for that, I wouldn't be where I am. And uh, how did he react to it? You know, it was interesting because he was a, he was a very loving man, but also a very narcissistic man. And never once in my entire life do I ever remember him apologizing for anything. And he yeah. sat there and looked at me and said, you know, I am terribly, terribly, terribly sorry. And oh. it was very, it was a very powerful moment. Did that help? That definitely helped. Did that help you feel better? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think oh, it I'm helped. Glad, I'm so glad you got that moment with him before he died because otherwise you'd be holding that. Yeah. And it also is sort of yeah. leading to this book because as I'm working yeah. on this now, and this is back to your original question, how I got into this. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's because of all those beautiful things of the freedom and the yeah. openness and the and the, you know, conversations we had and the lack of taboo and everything else. But it's also because of those wounds, you know, it's because of all of it. I'm getting that you kind of, you're an incredibly free person, but the the void that was in the couples therapy was like the Mm kickstarter for it. It was like, hang on, hang on, hang on. There's something wrong here. I want to right the wrong. Yeah. Is that a massive part of you in most... In most aspects of your life. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, fix. I, I think it is. It's really what led me to sex therapy is what led me to write my first book. You know, when, when Viagra came out and all these men, mm. you know, were coming out of the woodwork who hadn't been able to have sex in 20 years with their wives because of erectile dysfunction. 
suddenly wanted to have yeah. sex with their wives and their wives were like, um, hello, I'm 50 years old, have no interest, was perfectly fine. You know, she's like, it's closed up. Yeah, like, there. can you, you give me some of that Viagra? Can you, you know? stop? And, and when I looked at it, there was no research on women. There was no medication for women. There was no understanding of the anatomy. The concern wasn't women. No. The concern was men only. They haven't even adequately mapped the nerves and blood mm. vessels that are central to sexual function in women, but they go in with a robot to preserve wow. them in men when they do a prostate surgery. But um, that launched a whole aspect of That's my career very, very as well. Different. Yeah. So I started doing all sorts of research and wrote books on women's physiology and sexual health. But oh, wow. a lot of what motivates me is what's missing. Yeah. Wow. God, what um, what a kind of purpose to have. Yeah. It's a big one, hun. This is a really huge one. <laughs> it's a good you one. Know, so the reason why we wanted to talk to you specifically is because this whole podcast is about what helps us be happy. Mm -hmm. And this is a massive part of life Huge. that everyone, everyone deals with. Even if they can't have sex, they still deal with this. They do. And they can have sex by themselves. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, there's, there's myths behind it, lots of myths behind sex, and there's lots of realities. But you take away the stress from people. You help them feel like, oh God, I'm having this issue, but don't worry, I can mention it because Laura knows what to do. <laughs> it, it's a wonderful thing. You're, you're giving people so much goodness. I think it's gorgeous. So are um, you. So what What would you, oh God, I try, I just have a little chat. I'm just Mrs. Nosy, me. No. Um, <laughs> um, what would you suggest to people that have been in a very long-term relationship, are totally in love, and then one of the two suffers a terrible accident mm. and they can't have sex anymore like maybe they're completely disabled yeah. or you know they have erectile dysfunction yeah. or not even that but you know I was thinking about the the book Me Before You mm -hmm. um, and that's why I wanted to ask you this question it's about a chap that's um, become a quadriplegic when he's about I don't know, uh, late 20s. Or oh, something. I think I read this book. Yeah, yeah. they made a movie oh, out of it. It's good. And there's a Me After it's You, so too, good. or something. There's a sequel. Yeah, yeah. I read that one, too. She goes to New York. <laughs> yeah, she's oh, so I good. It. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good, but she's so, she falls totally yeah. in love with yeah. him. And, you know, when you're, when you're kind of in the story, you're like, oh my God, but how are they going to mm -hmm. do anything? Well, you know, like, it's different. It's really interesting because I worked for many years when I was in graduate school and after with people with disabilities and there are sex mm -hmm. therapists who specialize, many with disabilities themselves, who specialize in that population. But there are ways, mm -hmm. you know, what's really was fascinating to me is that like, let's say it's someone who has no sensation from the neck down right? Mm -hmm. They can actually learn how to have an orgasm from having their ear kissed. Oh, really? Yes. So what happens oh. is that our bodies start to compensate and, and you can start to centralize the sensation. So the sex doesn't look like it looked before, obviously, if someone's, you know, goodness forbid, in a wheelchair or can't, you know, doesn't have use. Right. But there is definitely tremendous opportunity for physical intimacy, for arousal, for orgasm, but it often means a kind of reprogramming of your, not literally, but like a learned reprogramming of, of your arousal pathways. So you can actually have an orgasm just with, without any type of feeling. Mm -hmm. below All the of us can. 
theoretically, wow. you know, but we're just more genitally focused. Oh my goodness. That's a lovely thing to learn for people that are going through that. So your two characters could have totally gotten it on. They could have. He didn't have to top himself. <laughs> no. Oh God, it, it was the saddest story. I just wanted, I watch these things and I get very, I get very kind of, um, invested yeah. into other people's relationships and especially my friends um because they'll talk to you and be like oh this is happening that's happening and I just so badly wish I'll I'll think about it for weeks yeah whereas other people have a little chat in the pub no, and they go oh yeah. well that's a problem yeah. whatever they move on I'll sit there and Aww. think about it for weeks you're very empathetic and then, that's sweet oh because I just want to tell them something that makes their brain go oh my god that's what I should be doing yeah. Um, well, that's why so, I became a therapist because that's it, was, why you're a therapist, it was hard yeah. for me to sit with other people's pain and feel helpless. Like <sighs> some people can yeah. sit with other people's pain, like you said, and go on and forget about it. But people who are yeah. real empaths, you know, who, who feel the feelings of other people, it stays, it with, stays you. with you. And I had to really mm. train, get, you know, it's a process to train yourself not to take those and I, it still happens to me. My husband mm. laughs at me. Like if I have a couple who's really struggling, like, you know, they'll mm. be on my mind <laughs> for days, yeah, sure. for days afterwards. But you have to really, you know, you learn in training to kind of put things in a container. But when I was a new professional, I mean, it would break my heart. Like some of the things yeah. that I was seeing and, and, and witnessing and the pain that other people were in. It's frustrating yeah. when you can't take that pain away. Yeah, but you know, especially if you consider that to be your job. Yeah, right. But you know what I've learned is that pain, and I think this is really helpful for someone like you who is not a therapist and, but still taking on other people's pain, is that pain has a purpose. Yep. And you know, it's the same thing with my kids. Like I'll see them, especially as they get older, in these situations that are causing them pain that I can't fix because you know, they're teenagers or because they're making these stupid decisions or whatever. Mm. And, and it's the same thing with friends or with, with clients or whatever. Like there is, I, what I find time and time again is that pain is one of our greatest teachers. And so even Mm. though someone's in pain, it's not necessarily always the right thing to take them out of to it. Take it away. You know, it's it's mm. what I call an AFGE, another freaking growth experience. You know, these horrible things <laughs> oh, we go yeah. through yeah, break yeah, us yeah. open, right? Isn't that mm. what, was it Van Morrison or the door, the guy, uh, who was it that said <laughs> the, the cracks or how the light gets through, but like those. That- oh, yes. I know. I know what you mean. Um, I'm trying to think of it. Um, you said something in a podcast I watched last night. Um, you said the heart doesn't break. It just spins. Yes. Yeah. Like pink. Lovely, pink lovely sings that. The yeah. heart doesn't break. It just spins. Oh, is that what she we said? We can learn oh, to love so again. Nice. Yes. Yes. And, and I think it, it does. does. You kind of, you're growing, aren't you? Always. So you have to go through the bad stuff, you know, and there's a, there's an amount of sadness that you need in order to recognize. Yeah. Happiness. And also say like, how is this for me? You know, when some, and a time, you know, like this in the world or whenever, like, what are the gifts in this? It doesn't mean that you bypass the pain or try to convince yourself to be happy when you're not, because that doesn't, you know, that which you can't be with is going to run your life anyway. But yep. it's about really recognizing that you, you know, I think all of us, and I was this way too for much of my life, are so scared of pain oh, yeah. that we'll do anything avoid to avoid it. But when yep. you find it, and eventually, 
you know, those of us who try the hardest to avoid it ultimately can't because it's like the universe kind of taps at the door. And if you don't listen, you know, it knocks really hard. Yeah, everyone. I mean, that's the thing that every single one of us are going to have multiple heartbreaks, bends, heart bends in our life. You know, yeah. we're all yeah. going to have pain, but that pain takes us to the next thing. It, it's for us. It, it is letting go of the old and allowing in something new, whether it's new awareness, yeah. new experiences. We learn. Yeah. I find some people do learn and some people take a little bit longer. Yes. The, when, when you're repeating the same mistake, ah, oh, it's so hard to watch, isn't it's it? It's so like, wow, hard. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Why are you doing this again? Yeah. And I don't um, have a lot of patience. I, I always try to learn. No, it's <laughs> Sorry, hard to I'm be patient them. with people that are deliberately, not deliberately, but um, insisting on repeating the same and you're just the same thing. Yeah. I'm like, wow, you're really, you're really going to do it again. Yeah. You're really committed to that, aren't you? You're seriously doing this again and you know what's going to happen and you can, you can kind of point it out. A friend of mine, she called me and said, and I've been mates with her for years. So I know how she is in a relationship and she just, she was like, oh, Joss, I feel like, um, something's not right with this is the guy she was dating. She was only dating him for a, a short while. And I said, I feel something is it's not right. It's not right. He's, he's being funny. And I said, well, <laughs> if you feel that it's because it's true yeah. and he is being funny and something is wrong. And she goes, no, 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 it's no. It's just my imagination. Just She's gaslighting herself. I said, honey, yeah. you are not being crazy. You are totally right. Yeah. Trust yourself. Yeah. And no, she didn't. And it all went tits up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so difficult when you're trying to help people see themselves. And that is your everyday job. I mean, it's one thing when they're clients, yeah. right? Because you're as a therapist, I'm in a different role. You but can like, be rough my, on them. But with my mm. friends, even I'll just like if those acquaintances or friends who get into that kind of situation, like you're describing, and it's it's like Groundhog mm. Day, the same thing oh, again and again, yeah. I just lose patience. And I'm just like, you know what? You're going to figure it out. Like, I can't go through walking you through this again. I'm just like, I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I love you. You're going to figure this out. Maybe I should try that. I just sit on the phone with them for three hours. You're a good friend. Oh my God, I want to smash my head into the ground. I um, can't smash my head into the ground anymore. Like, it's just. No, you can't. It's it's exhausting. So it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch other people kind of make mistakes. But then we're we're also making mistakes ourselves. So it's like, you know, those in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, right? Because we're all broken. And and other people can see our broken bits. You know, I remember somebody said to me once, it was my mum's husband. He goes, I had this dream and um, it was weird. It was a crazy dream. This guy had stabbed me. And I would, it was really odd. And he was in like a suit Mm. and I thought he was my husband, but he wasn't my husband. And then he disappeared and it turned out that I had stabbed myself. This was your stepfather's dream or your dream? This is my dream. This is my dream. So I told him about this dream and he's all about like reading dreams, you know, he's quite spiritual guy. And he goes, Joss, it's quite simple. Stop stabbing yourself. (laughs) And I was like, oh, So right now, I am in a relationship with my lovely, I tell you what, I found the best man in the world. Oh, good. It's actually happened. Oh, he's the most perfect human. I love him so much. You do, and how long have you been together? 
since November last year. Ah. So it's early, but no, this, is, pretty, this is it. That's, well, yeah, just past November. Okay, but that's still, you know, at a yeah. certain point. Oh, he's just amazing. Aww. So I'm very, I'm a very literal person and I'm very like uh, logical. I can be quite logical and I know what I want. Yeah. And I've had, I've even written lists of what I want and, and lists of yeah. what I don't yeah. want. That was something a therapist told That's me to do That's a good thing, once. good exercise. Um, I love a bit of therapy. I've had loads of therapy over my life and I always end up being the therapist therapist. Yes, oh God, you're end. one of those. Oh, I'm one of those. I'm like, so how are you? And then they kind of break down, and I'm like, oh, oh that's shit, I've turned, I've turned the table on them. But this one woman, she was the one where I never did that with her. Mm -hmm. She she was just great, and um, she was like, right. So you're making the same mistakes, and I said, yes, I know, but I'm not the type to do that. She said, right, what we want you to do is take all of your ex relationships, the really big ones mm -hmm. that hurt you. I want you to write down three columns, the the I want column, the I need column, mm -hmm. and the no way yeah, column. Yeah, the deal breakers. And I wrote like maybe six things in each one. And she goes, right, now I want you to mark your first boyfriend. Uh -huh. And then your second, and then your third, and then your fourth, and I've had two bloody many boyfriends. <laughs> and, then, and then she goes, right, now, I now, once you've marked them all, and I noticed that actually it got better yeah. as I went through my life, which is good. That's that means good. I'm yes. She goes, now I want you to put your father at the bottom of the list and I want you to mark him. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, that, is, that's that always, is an interesting that's thing to be doing. Where it starts. Right, exactly. So you learn kind of, you kind of learn who is the male in your life and what is a man supposed to right. look Right, and like. how are you supposed to be treated? in love right. you know that's what I always yeah. when when pe parents ask me about you know raising daughters especially to like you know it's always about like I'll always tell them that it, it, for some reason whether she's I find whether she's lesbian or heterosexual or whatever there's just such power mm -hmm. in both relationships but in the relationship with the father and he kind of implants mm -hmm. if, if you're lucky what I call this treasure chest where like there are all of these things about you that are uniquely amazing to you. So it's not just that you're pretty and smart, but like mm -hmm. your smile or the way your eyes change color or your laugh or um. your, you know, the way you sound, you know, just these really special things about you. And when you meet a man or a woman, if, if you are interested in women yep. who kind of sees your treasure chest and sees the same thing, like that's when you really fall in love. Yes. And the same is true if you had a really complicated relationship with your father, you know, we will choose people who create, who, are yeah, who create those same kinds of wounds. Mm. Mm. Another friend of mine said to me once, he goes, don't choose what, just what you recognize, mm -hmm. Joss, because what you recognize might not be good for you, but I know you're comfortable. Being comfortable is not being happy. You know, you could be comfortable with someone that beats you. And it's the, that all the time, or like with your friend who mm. keeps making the same mistake, what happens is that they go out with someone, they're like, oh, it feels like I've always known them. I'm so comfortable with oh, them. Yeah. And so when you have a dysfunctional right. pattern in your love life, the last thing you want to do is go on a second date with the guy who you feel yeah, that, that you recognize. Yes. Or even butterflies. Mm -hmm. When people say, I feel, but that's the body's warning system. 
those butterflies. Yes. And very often. Oh, no, I love I butterflies. Know, very often. Well, there's yeah. the uterine. I call it, this is my joke of my husband. I call it the uterine contract. Say, oh, you're making my uterus contract. There's the, <laughs> there's the uterine contraction ones, you know, where you feel that like, oh, yeah. And then there's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, exciting kind oh. of butterflies, right? Do you know okay. what I'm talking about? I do know exactly. Right? So the, the yep. butterflies mm-hmm. is usually like, it's exciting and, and people ever always talk about, oh, I had butterflies. But more often than not, that's your body being like, warning, warning. I'm unconsciously feeling something in this person that he's another addict or whatever oh, else. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. That is brilliant. You've taught me something today. So did you have butterflies with your current man or did you have the uterine pull contractions? <sighs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think back now. I think it might have been the latter. <laughs> but do you know what's so funny? When I saw him, I was like, oh, oh, I need to walk away from him. Oh, really? You got scared? There was something in me. Yes. I was, no, not scared. I was in another relationship oh, that wasn't going very well. Okay. So, so I avoided yeah. the man I'm with now. I avoided him for ages mm-hmm. because I wasn't, I'm not, I wasn't free. Right. So um, we had this, like, it was weird. Honestly, Laura, it was crazy because it was only one day and I, I saw him in, in the airport and he was the only other person on the plane. Mm. And and I thought, oh, my God, something. Mm-hmm. There was something. And I thought, no, no, I'm just obviously having too many arguments with my boyfriend. That's what's going on, you know. Um, so then he got on the same plane with us. Then he ended up in the hotel. Then he ended up in the same wow. bar. And when that happened, I was just like, oh, God. What do I do? So I, I, I basically um, made an excuse up and I got up from my seat. I left him with my brother chatting. And I just said, um, I have to go <laughs> and buy some hair shampoo. <laughs> no, I literally did this. So I got into a cab immediately and I said, um, can you take me somewhere to buy some hair shampoo, please? Because I didn't want it to be a lie because I've got this weird obsession with, like, truth. So you made it true. So I made it true. You bought shampoo yeah. you didn't need. I did it. And then I came back and there he was again. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So we got in the elevator and he was in the same elevator as me. I was like, oh, okay, hi, nice to meet you. The okay, universe bye. really wanted you to get together. They really did. And when he left, I was like, I kind of immediately felt, oh, thank God he's gone. And then I immediately felt, oh, oh my God, but what if he was the one? And I, you know, couldn't stop thinking about it, but I just ignored him and ignored him. And then he found a contact through a really weird thing that happened. Mm -hmm. Some guy come to my gig. This is in the middle of nowhere in the world. And he he didn't even know my name. He didn't know I was a singer, nothing like that. And he found it through this guy that he met in the airport that was coming to see my show in Belize. Wow. This is so weird. So So then he contacted me and I was like, oh, shit, he's found me again. He's persistent. You know, yeah, it was very broken up at that point. Really terrifying. Were you single at that point? No. So then I had to ignore him again for another like two or three months. And then when the relationship finally ended, I knew that it had to because. I feel like if you're, and I don't know if everybody feels like this, or maybe, you know, you go through ups and downs. I'm sure you have, you have an opinion on this because you probably deal with a lot of married couples. Mm -hmm. 
Um, now, if there's also, I want to talk to you about the honeymoon phase mm -hmm. and I want to talk to you about when you go off mm -hmm. someone and how you can stay on someone. Yes, because I felt, shit, I've gone off him, but I shouldn't because I do love mm -hmm. him, you know. Um, but that happens with me and I have this thing. If I, if my eye strays, because my body never does yeah. and never will, never yeah. has, but if my eye does and my mind does, I just have to break up yeah. with the person I'm with. I just, I know it's not the right thing because I have this, I definitely have a fairy tale complex. 100 <laughs> you do? Well, no wonder you fell for the guy chasing you yeah. around the world, right? He's a total exactly. prince charming. Well, you, totally you know, I, I, yeah. I do, I think in a long-term relationship, like, a, you know, I just had yesterday my 18th wedding anniversary. Um, oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yay. 18 years of love. Yeah. Longest relationship I've ever had. Um, oh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, you're, I, in my experience, both personally, but even with all the couples I talk to, it's not so much your, your eyes are going to stray because you're human. Now, just naturally, naturally, that will happen. Yes, because you, you, in the beginning of the relationship, as you're talking about the honeymoon phase, your scientists call it the infatuation phase. You can't right. get enough of each other. Literally, when they look at your brain during that phase, it's like a, a coke addict. The part of your brain that oh, lights really? up when a coke addict does coke is the same part of the addictive dopamine centers of the brain or what light up when you're newly in love. Like, it's like an addiction. You feel it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you just can't stop thinking about them. Everything's yes. wonderful. And that's wonderful. Who needs drugs right? you don't if you have drugs. that? Yeah. But, but we couldn't get anything else done. Our society wouldn't function if we all walked around in the infatuation stage all the time. I know. So yeah, you wouldn't want to go to work yeah. or anything. And so it's natural with familiarity and commitment anywhere between three months and three years, depending on how quickly that moves along, um, you move into the attachment phase, which is a much sweeter, softer, deeper, richer form of the infatuation phase. But it's not as hot okay. and intense. Sexually, the novelty isn't there anymore because you know each other and you've you know gotten used to each other, right? So you're not, it's not yeah. the newness, it's about the depth. It's about going deeper into the connection. Okay, so what if the, if when the honeymoon phase goes and the brain stops doing all that crazy stuff, what if you don't get to the deeper, sweeter, amazing? Well, bit? then that that's that's really where the work of being in a relationship begins. The work that really pays off. What I think every deep love relationship we have, whether it's a romantic love or with our kids or best friend or mm -hmm. like every relationship we have what's really happening is that we're having a relationship with ourselves through that other person oh go on so how do you mean so if you look and this is going to be important for you joss with your fairy tale i mean i could go right in there and tell you why you had the fairy tale fantasy oh please and, do i want to know um, is it because of ariel i think it's ariel no it's because of your dad oh of course, blame and, it on and it happened, and it ha and it started when you were four years old, and it has to do with your solar plexus chakra. I could tell you the whole thing. I have this weird psychic ability to tell you where what? people's pain started. It's a strange my thing. solar plexus yeah. chakra. That's, that's right around okay. your belly button, and All it's right. the center of worth and connection. Oh. And your problem 
is that you, there's a part of you, the woman you are now completely knows her worth and her value, but there is a four to 10 year olds, like all that, that those were the worst, hardest years, um, in terms of your development emotionally, right? either emotionally or literally abandoned. Um, and, and so what happens is that even though you, the woman you are now knows your worth, that little girl wants to be the princess. It's not so much that you're looking for a Prince Charming it's that you want, she wants to feel so worthy of love that someone would come and, you know, carry her off into the sunset. And the reason for that is because the little girl or little boy or whoever, all children are kind of, everything is because of them. So that little one in you felt like Mm. if she was more of something or less of something, Mm. then dad wouldn't have left or abandoned or whatever it was that he did, you know, and that Mm -hmm. these things wouldn't be happening to me if I was worthy of love. So right. It's interesting you say this. So my sister is only 18 months apart Mm -hmm. from me. And she had a very different relationship with my dad than I did. I don't know how my dad sees this. I think he probably sees, I mean, he's very smart and intuitive guy. He's, he never, he never left or anything like that, but he did work away. And um, my mum was really there like Mm -hmm. all the time. And my dad was really busy, Mm -hmm. but my sister, incredibly academic. And um, she also used to swim a lot. So she had a relationship with my dad. My dad did triathlons and things mm, like this. So they had a connection. And I was really close with my mum. I would be like attached to my mum's yeah. leg. So whether or not I had a upset with my dad, I don't know. Probably if you look deep enough, yeah. I probably had loads. But we certainly had different relationships. Now, Lucy's not that much older than me. She's brought up by the same mm-hmm. parents, eating the mm-hmm. same food, you know, going to the same primary schools mm-hmm. until she got older. Um, but she, my goodness me, do we... Do we choose different yes. men? Oh my God! Is she, does she choose men. good men or bad men? Oh, good yeah. men. Because she got the treasure chest. You didn't get the treasure chest. Yes. Oh, I chose a bunch of bastards. Yeah. Oh my God! I chose like, if you could go back through my yeah, that's um, what we do. My history of relationships. They start yeah. terrible and then they get Me better too. and better. Therapists call it a uh, repetition compulsion. So, like the oh, classic God, example is the let's say a woman who was raised with a father who was an addict or an alcoholic. Right. And so she consciously decides I'm never going to be with an addict. I'm not, I'm not going to let happen to me what I watched happen to my mother, what happened to our family. And time and time again, she says that. And yet she meets a guy, she has those butterflies. She feels all familiar. He doesn't even drink. He's not an alcoholic. And then he becomes an alcoholic. Or he turns out to be a gambling addict, you know, or oh, a sex right. addict or a drug, you know. Mm-hmm. But like we just, it's, it's that, it, and the, the reason it's called repetition compulsion is because it's that little girl in you, right? It's that, it's the unconscious wish that this time it's going to be different. So the conscious yeah, you, every yeah, time every time we're like, this time, every time it's going to be like, it's the same reason I, I was in a marriage you know, many, many years ago, the father of my oldest son, and I was in a relationship with him for seven years, married for three, and he was cheating on me throughout the entire relationship. Did you know that he was? I know. I mean, I knew he cheated on me 
when we were dating and then he was, so, and it was the repetition compulsion because my dad was a horrible philanderer. Cause he was, and, yeah, and yeah. I was always, so you accepted that as though it was just, that's just what men do. I really thought all men cheat. And I had the story that if he cheated and he'd seen the error of his ways and I was so lovable that. ACAST recommends LGBTQ plus creators who are making an impact this month and beyond. Tune in for your new favorite show. Hey, what's up? I'm Sean T. And I wanted to tell you that my podcast, Trust and Believe, is all about uplifting you to the next level of who you are. Whether it's a solo soul with me telling you about things that are happening in my life and how to get through them, or if it's with one of my amazing guests, At the end of every show, you will learn the tools that you need to push through just to get through another day or maybe another month. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You can always come to my show to feel great about yourself, to always believe in yourself. And at the end of the day, know that you are your power. So join us on the show and get ready to trust and believe. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. He was like, no, for you, I won't cheat. You're different, you know? Yes, and that makes you more special, puts you on a pedestal. And I, and that little girl in me was like, yes, that's true, I am, you know? Mm-hmm. And then yeah, <laughs> he was talking to oh, his girlfriend oh, no, on our wedding it? day, you know? I didn't find out. Until, no. Yeah, I didn't find out. I found out when my son was a year and a half. I had, I still don't know who this person is. I was living in Spain with him. He was from Spain. Mm. And I got an anonymous call saying, tu hombre está poniendo los cuernos. Your husband's putting the horns on you. He's cheating on you. And I still don't know who that was. But that's what led to the whole unraveling of me finding out. So what gave you, how did you get the strength to just go, uh, no. I deserve better than that. And you can go away. I didn't know that at first. I just knew I had to get the hell out of there. And so, um, it was, it was this whole crazy story, how it all went down, including me, like sitting in my office. I had a little office where I saw clients in Gibraltar on the rock of Gibraltar. And I was sitting in my office with him when he finally, finally admitted it. And I was like, were you having sex with her when I was pregnant? Yes. Were you having sex with condoms? No. And like, I, for the first and only time in my life, I like beat the crap out of someone. I was like, <laughs> and then you just unleashed. I, unleashed. I was a so mad, mad. A mad lord. And then oh I God. took the keys to the car. I told him to go to a hotel. And my parents, thank God, happened to be visiting then. And I told them what was going on. And I packed up suitcases and went back to the States. And I think. A part of me felt like I was so devastated. And I think a part of me felt like I was going to get back with him and give him. And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. It didn't mean anything. I love him. Of course, yeah, I right never do right? this. And yeah, coming back. And, and I was so tempted. My parents were like, are you going to go see a divorce lawyer? I don't know. Like, I couldn't make a decision. And then finally, mm-hmm. I found out that he was still seeing her. And then that's oh when I was still like, okay, all done. That. And then I got the divorce. But um, but it's it's a it's so upsetting. Yeah. I mean, can people change? I I don't know. I I feel like once you've cheated yeah. on a partner, obviously people people act differently with different partners. I, I believe think that's true. Um, and some people cheat to people, end the relationship because they don't know. Some yeah. people do that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. That is very true. I have a um, habit of ending a relationship and then going back to the relationship. So I learned that about myself as I got older because I was like, oh, I want the new bit. Yeah, Yeah, the new bit. I like the new bit. Totally. Oh my God, that's so me. I am. I want it all to be magic all the time. So you have to, but that's just the, that's the little girl in you. You're going to have to, we have to get you some healing I've got to quell that. We got to get you yes. some healing work for that little girl I need to because get my, the, my crystals out. Yeah, because that's going to be a challenge sorted. in this relationship <laughs> as it moves into that more. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to send you my book, Quantum Love, because okay. because it's going. Oh, be- I wanted to ask you about Quantum yeah, Love. Yeah, because yes. it's great for finding love, but it's really great for taking your. You know, because people always say like, "How do you keep the excitement alive? How do you keep the yes. spice alive?" And I could give you like 365 role plays and toys and techniques. And in a year or a year and a half, if you did a couple of them twice, you'd be back to me asking for more because the novelty is always going to wear off. You know, how much new can you do? Right. And and there is, it's just not possible. It's about going deeper rather than Mm. wider. You know, it's about like really deep, deep intimacy emotional Mm. intimacy blended with physical intimacy and taking your sexual connection to an energetic and spiritual level. And then that's Mm. when the real yumminess starts. But if you look at your relationship, not only as a way to fulfill that desire of being wanted and swept off your feet in the fairy tale, but like my, my partner is my greatest teacher about me, like about about me and my reactions to him are teaching me things and and the work of being in a relationship and staying in that connection, assuming that person is an abusive or horrible or what, you know, but you've just mm-hmm. kind of moved into that. Attack. The work of staying in connection, there's nothing more valuable than that or fulfilling. Um, so I read that it's, I mean, I don't know what statistic it was, but um, I've heard it a lot that one in three men can be uh, physically violently abusive. Hmm. Um, would you would you say that that's even close to true? One in three? That's a lot. Yeah, I have not heard that statistic. If you look around, if you think of the entire world, possibly, you know, based on, um, because I think part of the problem, even in this country, but certainly and in, and in the UK, like, you know, in places where there's much more equality, right? Even in, mm-hmm. in countries like that, men are not raised to be able to process their emotions and express them. So one of the biggest Mm -hmm. problems I see with men is that when they are feeling sad or scared, they don't show that they're not even aware they're feeling it. They just get angry. And so, I mean, not even, and that can turn violent. And that can turn violent if you're not, you know, if Mm -hmm. you were raised in that way or saw that growing up, or you don't know how to manage your emotions. I mean, if we're going back to like cavemen times, I suppose the man was the one that did more fighting. I'm sure the woman did yeah. a lot of fighting as yeah. physically as well. But well, we were. I um, mean, it is. We're more. We're more. Uh, the scientists find that we don't go in when we're when we're under attack or stress. We don't go into fight flight. We go into what's oh, called nice. tend and befriend. So actually, the um, we we start bonding and nesting. So like when the saber tooth oh. tiger came. The male would go out and fight or freeze or run or whatever he was going to do. She was like with the babies and, you know, 
nesting, um, protecting. It's why right. today we want to curl so up fun. in the couch with sweats and bond, yeah. you know, when we're when we're stressed women. Oh, when we feel something yeah. is happening in our lives that we're not yeah. enjoying. We tend to do that. We kind of do that. And in fact, chemically, the chem- same thing, oxytocin goes up mm. when we're stressed. The same, uh, mm. that bonding chemical. So when we're bringing up little people, we have a huge responsibility to kind of help them in this kind of dealing with people on this social kind of world that has so many rules so, in it. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can tell you. We're not allowed to say anything I know. anymore. And my it's sons are getting, my little ADD boys are getting in so much trouble. It's really okay. interesting. Um, okay. Because, you know, whatever. <laughs> trouble with what they're yeah, saying? Yeah, you know, doing, they say or... like impulsive things like my, and they go to these really progressive, politically correct schools. Like my when my kid was 13 or 14, they were talking about like abortion rights. And, and he said, well, you know, if it was, cause he's thinking, you know, if it were my baby and, and it was, he thinks literally like a boy would, he's not thinking about a woman's yeah. right to her body and to choose, you know, he was like, well, I don't think right. a woman should have an abortion if the baby could survive on its own. And like the whole class, you know, it's the woman's right to choose and you're a sexist pig. <laughs> You know, but he's, it's fair enough. He's yeah, allowed he's allowed. That's what he said. Yeah. I was like, well, maybe like when you're in this kind of setting, you could, yeah. he's like, I'm not gonna, you know, it's how I feel. No, I'm not good gonna for him. How I feel. He has to, you know? yeah. He should voice his opinion. Yeah. And then when he gets, when he gets the answers and the reactions, then he can, he can voice yeah. another one. He can change his yeah. mind if he yeah. wants. You know, I've, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it's worrisome to me that the the whole i don't know that people can be completely destroyed for having an opinion that's not it's a different kind of repression you know i um, the way that i try to look at it i'm i think i'm just an optimist but i look at, i always am looking at the that'll help you live longer by the way i learned the other day yeah oh yeah, that's good. good um but i just see like with all of these things the pendulum has to swing really really far to one side mm. before it can come back to normal. And like, because we've normal, had yeah. such a repressive world when mm. it comes to race and gender and LGBT, you know, there's been such just, we know we don't have to discuss, like it's been horrible, right? No, it's been and awful. so the pendulum yeah. has gone we have to go way over way. here. Like yeah. your career is going to be destroyed because you know, right. whatever. Then it'll yeah. come back to normal. But with every big social evolution and movement, we see that where it just swings really far first, mm. like to the extreme. Yep. It has to get messy before it yeah. gets clean. I was speaking to a group of feminists in um, Bulgaria. Actually. <laughs> what an odd sentence. I was speaking to a group know, of feminists in Bulgaria. <laughs> I know, it's odd, isn't it? I was, it's a very strange job I do. They were lovely, right? These four girls, and they were teaching me about this town, and they were walking me around the town, showing me like this is where the first woman did this, yeah. and this is great over here, and you know the history yeah. of feminism there, and and how difficult it was to deal with blokes and the dramas. I mean, there was four different characters from those girls. One of them was very balanced. One of them was like leading it, so she was very like focused, but very very smart. And there was this one girl that she was young and she it sounded to me like she'd had a load of shit relationships it was like talking to myself mm-hmm. when I was 20 and um she was so angry at mm-hmm. men like so angry yeah. and I felt no this isn't good because I love my boys yeah. as much as I love my girls you know and I said to her 
maybe we don't have to be fighting. Maybe fighting is the wrong um, approach. I agree 100%. Maybe we need to come together. And she said, no, we have to fight. We must fight because otherwise if we don't fight, it's not going to ever get anywhere. Right. And the the other lady that was um, kind of leading the troops, she said what you said. She was like, it needs to go to an extreme in order to come back mm-hmm. to the middle. And in Bulgaria, it's obviously different right, to American. Right. Well, it's like in the 70s here, women were burning their bras at the same kind of pendulum. And all men are jerks. You know, like that. I'm a feminist who adores men, you yes, know, and, exactly. and uh, it's. I mean, and there's there's the language problem, yeah. I think, with with the term feminist, yeah. um, which I think we I don't know. It's they've they've muddied yeah. it. Well, they've made it. They've muddied this, the yeah. word. Well, feminist. it implies. And yeah. now I don't I don't love how they've muddied mm-hmm. it because it was supposed to be positive. For fuck's well, sake. Let's reclaim it. You know, yes, I think it needs to become equalist. Yeah. And I, I know people hate that because then it's not a fight anymore. Yeah. And I think we're in a good place where we don't have to yes. fight. Different, we're equal, fine. but different. We, it's about learning equal about each different. other and inspiring each other and and being mm. open to new ideas and empathy, 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 empathy. Like if you can really oh, God, yeah. understand the other position. Could you teach empathy to someone that struggles um, naturally? Yeah, I do. I mean, you see this with kids. It, it starts with animals, right? And then it grows uh-huh. from there. But ideally, it starts early. It's hard to start late. Why? You want me to teach someone to be empathetic? Well, the world, if you could. I thought you had someone specific <laughs> that in would mind. Be great. I think it would be lovely if, you know, because right now we're seeing a war yeah. between the right yeah. and the left. And there are there and there's a lot of sadness that's coming from that yes. war. And I wish so much that people could be empathetic to people that they disagree yeah. with. Well, that's that's how everything is achieved. But I'll tell you this, you know, you can get really depressed thinking about all this anger and division in the world. Yeah. And what I found, and I actually talk about the research in my book, is that what they're finding is that when one person, even just one person, holds you know, what I call home frequency, a state of love and compassion and empathy and acceptance, that positively affects, without them doing anything but holding that energetic state, that positively affects up to 70,000 people. And just in terms of how energy moves. And when you see groups of people doing that together, like they did in Washington, D.C. and in some other cities, you see crime go down, you see hate crimes go down. Because it's just infectious. Even without interacting, we can change the world Absolutely. just by changing ourselves. God, that's amazing. There's a cuppa. It's yeah, there's a cuppa happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been so nice chatting with you. You too. We need more chat. Anytime. Cup of tea. I would love it. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of oh. your work too. I didn't tell you. I mean, I forgot oh, to tell you, you that. But I love, I love your voice. I love your soul. I love your message and I'm really excited for, for your podcast too, spreading the cup of love, the cup of happiness. Yeah. We need to give happiness to everyone. So you keep doing what you're doing and I'll keep doing what I'm doing and hopefully 70,000 people will, will love it up. Times the millions of listeners we're going to have. Look at that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's stand in, in positivity. Give some good vibes. Oh, thank you so much. Lovely. It's lovely. You too. 
I loved chatting to Laura. She is such a warm and honest individual. We need more of that in this life. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend. I hope they like it too. Thanks so much to the producers Richard Willen and Sam Brown at Fascinate Productions. And of course, to all of you lovelies for listening in. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed it. Catch you again next week. I want to say a massive thank you to our sponsors, Walida. This morning, and this is no word of a lie, I scrubbed my entire body with their Birch Body Scrub. Oh, it smells so good. Trust me on this one. It really does. It's lush. And then, because I was feeling greedy, I followed that with their Wild Rose Cream Body Wash because I'm obsessed with rose. I have a little fern right in the corner of my shower. And along with the scent, I felt like I could be in one of those, you know, adverts on TV when the forest starts to beautifully grow around you colourful birds flying past and butterflies dancing together. It was just, I don't know what was wrong with me. I went right off on a tangent. So yeah, if you want to also scrub your beautiful bodies with this lush stuff, visit their website, walida.co.uk. Okay, on with our little cup of happy. <laughs>